thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Cleveland Indians 7, the Detroit Tigers 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it is fun to see the Indians finally get back into winning baseball series. They take the series from Detroit three games to one, and it was big. They needed it. Coming off of that big losing streak, we all knew Detroit was a team set up this year for the Indians to beat up on and to get some wins against, and they did their job. They take three games, um, and Carrasco, Carrasco is the stopper. He bounces back after the loss yesterday. He bounces back, helps the Indians get the win, Plus, this offense unloaded a little bit on the Tigers pitching staff. So it's a good, solid win all around for the Indians, something they really needed. If they would have split that series 2-2, to there would have been some very angry Indians fans this morning. But let's get into it. Let's see how it all went down because we've got a battle for MVP for the day going on in this game. Uh, the scoring doesn't start till the fifth inning. Pitching yesterday for the Tigers was Matthew Boyd, and Boyd had a perfect game going through four innings. And then it all came crashing down for him. So he's handling the Indians. Uh, Didn't have a ton of strikeouts yesterday, only on three strikeouts, but was not giving up hits. So getting some weak contact, getting flyouts, popouts, groundouts, and uh, staying away from barrels until that fifth inning. For the Carlos Carrasco, he was having fun. He got two big strikeouts already in the first inning. Miguel Cabrera, they had a moment where they blew kisses to each other. So that's fun to see. I'm sure Carlos Carrasco and Miguel Cabrera, uh, you know, sitting at a restaurant together is nothing but laughs. Like, I, I'm, I, they are generally, genuinely two of, seem to be the nicest people in baseball. Cabrera is always busting on guys. He's always laughing with guys at first base. Carrasco has always seemed to be positive, seems to be a really, really energetic, really positive guy. So honest to God, it would be great to go out to dinner with Carrasco and Cabrera. I'm sure it would be a good time. So they blow kisses at each other, but Carlos Carrasco strikes him out. Uh, Second strikeout of the game, they would end up with 11 strikeouts on the game. In the bottom of the second, he gets two more strikeouts, Bonifacio and Goodrum. And he was really mixing it up. He was mixing it up between his fastball for strikeouts. He was getting some guys to chase his high fastball. He was getting guys to chase his curveball. His curveball was really effective. Down in the dirt, these guys were chasing a lot of pitches yesterday. In the bottom of the third... He gets into a little bit of trouble. He gives up a single to Austin Romine. He then Daz Cameron walks, moves Romine to second. We've seen the walks be a problem. He actually gave up three walks yesterday, but was able to get around him because he only gave up one hit. That single to Austin Romine was the only hit he gives up. After he lets the first two runners on, he gets Isak Paredes to fly out to Mercado and left. He gets Victor Reyes to fly out to Delano DeShields in center. And Willie Castro to strike out singing, swinging. Those runners cannot advance. Willie Castro to strike out singing. That would, that would be a sight, right? If he's just whistling a tune as he's striking out. All right. The Indians finally get things going here in the top of the fifth inning. Carlos Santana... Ends the perfect game threat right away. He gets a single up the middle. 
That snaps the perfect game. Then Fermil Reyes walks behind him, moves Carlos Santana to second. And then Jordan Luplo comes up. Jordan Luplo facing a lefty. And uh, Luplo has always been in his, known in his career as a guy who can, he's a right-handed hitter that can only hit lefties. And they really thought this year, they really thought that maybe, maybe this would be the year that he could finally hit right-handers, right? Well, he's hitting 094 against right-handed pitching this year. 094 against right-handed pitching. Against lefties, he's back to hitting 290 against lefties. So I think, I mean, yeah, he earned this reputation for a reason, and I think the Indians have proved this year. They've given him plenty of at-bats. He's actually had more plate appearances, more at-bats against righties than lefties this year. He's had 40 at-bats, 40 plate appearances, 32 at-bats against righties. He has walked eight times. He can't draw a walk. He's had 37 plate appearances against lefties. Uh, So I think it's clear, I think it's pretty darn obvious that he can hit lefties. He probably is not going to be in there against righties come playoffs. So... Loop blows up against a lefty here with runners on first and second. What does he do? He hits a single into left field. Carlos Santana comes around from second and scores. We know Carlos Santana can run when he needs to. Vermeil Reyes moves up to second. Big hit after you're getting more than no hit, after you're getting perfect gamed through four innings to come up with three runners on the start, the fifth inning, and a run scored. That was huge, especially the way Carrasco was pitching. Now, Here we go. We talked about this yesterday. Oscar Mercado was up with nobody out yesterday, two days ago. Oscar Mercado was up with nobody out, two runners on. He didn't try to sack bunt. He did not try to lay down a sack bunt. He swung away. He ended up striking out. In that situation, he was batting ninth. He would have been setting up the table for Francisco Lindor and the top of the lineup. That's the perfect time to bunt. So what does Oscar Mercado do yesterday? Well, he comes up with runners on first and second, nobody out, and this time he lays down a sacrifice bunt. It's a good bunt. Fermil Reyes gets up to third, loop low to second. Boyd looked like he didn't know what he wanted to do with it. At first, he thought about going to third. He probably could have got Fermil Reyes if he threw the ball to third, to be dead honest with you. Instead, he turns, he throws the first, gets Mercado at first. The sack bunt is successful. Who does that set the table for? Sandy Leone. They set the table yesterday for Sandy Leone, who went 0 for 4, left five runners on bases, hitting 138 this season, instead of two days ago trying to set the table for Francisco Lindor. I I don't get it. I don't get some of the decisions Sandy Alomar makes as manager. I'm sorry. I love Sandy Alomar. He's a Cleveland legend. I had a Sandy Alomar hat growing up as a kid, probably in 97. But I don't get some of the decisions he's making as manager. So Sandy Leone flies out to left. No one can advance. Delino to Shields, however, comes up, saves his butt. Sometimes with Delino to Shields, I feel like uh, Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. Just when your weak arm lets runners advance from center field, just when you let a ball go over your head because you think you're going to run into the outfield wall when you're just at the warning track, you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself. Because he comes up after Leon flies out. He gets a bloop single in the center field. 
and Vermeil Reyes is able to score. Jordan Luplo is able to come around from second and score. And Delano De Shields, because the ball was bobbled out in center by Victor Reyes, he's able to move up to second with, with a single and an error. So, big, big hit from Delano De Shields. I mean, the guy's hitting 267. It's only a 664 OPS. But... Man, for a weak-hitting center fielder, 267 isn't terrible. When we look back on this season and say Delano DeShields hit in the 260s, we'll probably be like, yeah, that, that's fine. He's your ninth hitter. That's fine. So big hit here from Delano DeShields. He's able to deliver two RBIs, makes it 3 nothing, and that felt pretty good. Lindor would ground out to end that threat. Carlos Carrasco, how does he respond? Goes 1-2-3 in the bottom of the fifth. Brings the Indians back up in the top of the sixth. And Cesar Hernandez starts things off with his 18th double on the season. He leads the league, if you believe it, in doubles. And that sets the table for Jose Ramirez, who gets a pitch to his liking. Because every pitch he's seen in Detroit this this series has been to his liking. And he hits his 14th home run, a line drive out to left field. Two more runs on the board. Five nothing Indians. And that would be all for Matthew Boyd. What started out so promising for Boyd would end up as a rough day. He moves to 2-7 and seven on the season. Five innings pitched, five hits, five earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. His ERA is at 6.96. It's, it's been a rough season for Boyd. And give credit where credit is due. He was pitching really good through four innings. And then it all came crashing down. And that's, I mean, that's really what you see, right? The second time through the order, the third time through the order. Guys see you, guys start to pick up what you're doing, and they start to hit you. And that's what happened. That's what makes it so difficult to carry one of those things through all the way to the end. That makes it difficult to last through the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, right? Obviously, that's when we see starters get knocked out usually because it's it gets really hard to face guys multiple times. And the Indians made him pay. That would be all. The Indians would rally a little more in the sixth, but that would be all the scoring in the sixth. How would Carlos Carrasco respond in the bottom of the sixth? Gets Paredes to fly out, Reyes to fly out, and Willie Castro to strike out swinging, adding another strikeout to his total. All right, the Indians then would continue to add on in the seventh. Delano DeShields grounds out to start the inning. Francisco Lindor walks. This walk would be it for Lindor. So uh, he's been hot or cold at the top of the lineup. Cesar Hernandez would ground into a force out. Lindor would be out at second. And it's a good thing it wasn't a double play because Jose Ramirez would come up next. And with Cesar Hernandez standing on second base, he moved up to second base on a throwing error. Standing on second base, that must be Jose Ramirez's good luck charm because he hits another home run to center field, left center field. This one, the, the center fielder was drifting back, drifting back, drifting back. And you're like, oh, he is out of room. That is a home run. 15th home run on the season. Uh, Hamilton Hamilton almost stole Matt Underwood's home run call. If you heard Underwood call home runs, he's got a couple. But one of his favorites is he's out of room and it's out of here. That's one of his favorites. So Hamilton yesterday is uh, – who was the center fielder for uh, for the Tigers yesterday? Oh, Reyes. Uh, so he's given the call and he's like, Reyes is back, drifting back. He's at the track. He's out of room. And then he catches himself, and it's a home run. So he almost stole Underwood's home run call there, but he caught himself. So Jose Ramirez makes it 7-0 Cleveland. How would Carlos Carrasco respond? 
he would get Miguel Cabrera to strike out swinging again. He would walk Candelario. He gets Jorge Bonifacio to strike out swinging. A wild pitch moves Candelario up. Nico Goodrum walks. Uh-oh. Is Carlos Carrasco in trouble? Nope. He gets Austin Romine to strike out swinging. Man, what a great, great pitching performance from Carlos Carrasco. It would be his last inning. Uh, his final line on the day, seven innings pitched, one hit, one hit, no earned runs, the three walks, and 11 strikeouts. He drops his ERA below three to 2.9 on the season. He does pick up the win in this game and moves to three and four. Things would not go so well for the Indians' bullpen. Cam Hill would come in, and he would get hit around pretty hard. Uh, Cam Hill would give up three runs in the eighth. And then Brad Hand would come in to pitch the ninth. And when it's a non-safe situation, I'm telling you, these closers suck when it's a non-safe situation. He would give up two hits and a run. But you know what? The Indians were way ahead at this point. It was 7-0. They scored three runs in the eighth. It was 7-3. They put one more on in the ninth. But Brad Hand is able to get out of it. He ends the game by getting a strikeout, by getting three outs in a row. He gets Austin Romine to fly out to right. He gets Daz Cameron to strike out swinging. And he gets Isak Paredes to line out to center. So, Hand gets out of it. He handles it. And the Indians win. So, it's a big game for the Indians. Oh, man, this is a tough decision. I knew I was going to have to make this decision. I mean, Jose Ramirez, two for four. Four RBIs. Two runs scored. Basically, two two-run home runs. Oh, it's hard to turn away from that, but I got to give Carrasco credit. Even without the home runs, the Indians win yesterday, but without Carlos Carrasco's amazing pitching performance, it would have been a much tougher game, especially with the way Boyd started. So Carrasco, seven innings, 11 strikeouts, only one hit. I'm giving Carrasco MVP for the day. He definitely, definitely earned it, and he definitely was the most valuable player out there for us yesterday. Tip of the cap to Jose Ramirez. Excellent job and uh, excellent battle for MVP for the day, but it goes to Carrasco. All right. Where does this leave us in the standings? Oh, it is time for some scoreboard watching. The Twins were able to win late last night. So for the second spot in the AL Central, the Twins still have us by three games, but Chicago lost. So we both crept up on them. They are two games back, uh, three games in the loss column. Yeah, that's bizarre. They're one game back in the win column, three games back in the loss column. So technically two games back from the White Sox. And we're sitting at five games back here. So we're playing Chicago White Sox for four games here. We have a chance to seriously shake up the American League Central before this whole thing is over. The White Sox have clinched. The Twins have clinched. The Indians are probably going to clinch. They're still sitting in the seventh seed, but... They're two games up on Toronto, who's in the eighth seed, and Toronto is four games up on Seattle, who's technically ninth, uh, the next closest team to the playoffs. So we've got a pretty big lead. We've got a six-game lead on Seattle. I think we will probably clinch in the next few days. Uh, everybody, the top five are already in. Yankees have also clinched a playoff spot. Houston has not yet, because Seattle can technically catch Houston for the second spot. So... Yeah, we will see. The The American League Central could seriously, seriously get shooken up here. Let's see. Who do the Twins play next? Well, they don't play anybody tomorrow night, so I can tell you that. We can we have a chance to catch up on them tomorrow night. Uh, 
They face the Tigers next, so at home. So chances are the Twins are going to rattle off some wins here. So we'll see. We'll, we will see what will happen here in the American League Central. Now, uh, talking a little bit about Carlos Carrasco, what he did yesterday, because it was pretty impressive. He only allowed 9.1% of the balls hit off him yesterday went, were line drives. 45.5% ground balls, 45.5% fly balls. That's actually really impressive. Um, 9.1% were line drives. That's the lowest total he's had since uh, his start in St. Louis, where it was 7.7. He has never been that low the rest of the season. Uh, it was all weak contact, too. He only let 9.1% of the balls hit off him were hard hits. Now, these include the outs, obviously. He only gave up one hit yesterday. The balls in play, only 9.1% of them were hard hits. 72.7% were medium contact. 18.2% were soft contact. So definitely staying away from barrels, staying away from hard hit balls. What was his pitch mix yesterday? How was he getting so many strikeouts? Stuck with his fastball, 45.9% fastballs, and it was popping too. It was his highest, it was his fastest average velocity on the entire season. 94.9 average velo on his fastball yesterday. Stuck with his sliders, 22.9%. Brought back the curveball, and we saw a lot of strikeouts with this curveball. 15.6% curveballs. He hadn't been over 10% curveballs since the Cubs series at the beginning of August. So getting back to what he was doing at the beginning of the season, using the curveball effectively, and mixing in 15.6% changeups. So really, really good pitch mix yesterday from Carrasco. And uh, some of the plate discipline numbers are fun. Uh, outside the zone swinging, he got them to swing at 41.1% of his pitches outside of the zone. And how much contact did they make? They were only making contact on 36.7% of those swings. So that is a lot of swing and miss. That is a lot of chase right there. He was uh, he was actually in the zone, the lowest he had been all season, 33% in the zone. His first pitch strikes were at 72%. That's a nice, solid first pitch strike percentage. And his swinging strikes were the highest of the entire season, 22% swinging strikes. So that is how Carrasco did it yesterday. Now, Jose Ramirez. There is a lot of talk. The head article on Indians.com right now says, MVP, question mark, Ramirez's two home runs spark Tribe's offense. So Mandy Bell is writing about it. I heard a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of articles out there on Cleveland.com about is, is Jose Ramirez getting himself into the MVP conversation? TJ Zuppi, I think, tweeted this out. And if you look on fan graphs, he is now Bleacher, uh, baseball reference and fan graphs. I think they do their war a little bit differently. I think there are some slight differences statistically in the war. And guess who is leading the American League in war? Wins above replacement. This basically means that, you know, compared to a replacement player who could be replacing you, how good are you? You know, how far do you separate yourself from the pack, from who's behind you, from other players at your position? So he is leading baseball right now at 2.8 war. Second is Jose Abreu at 2.7. Not baseball, the American League, sorry. 
Second is Jose Abreu at 2.7. Anthony Rendon from the Angels is at 2.6. Tim Anderson from the White Sox is at 2.5. Mike Trout is at 2.4. Now, that would say, okay, maybe Jose Ramirez is. Maybe he is have a chance to be the AL MVP. Well, let's take a look at some of the common numbers, right? Batting average. Common number. We've been looking at bat average forever. Well, I can tell you that he comes in at 16th in the league in batting average. He's batting 284. DJ LeMahieu and Tim Anderson are actually leading. They're over 360, but they both had little injury spells. They've only played 43 and 42 games respectively. So I'm going to go with Jose Abreu, who's played in 53 games already. Played in, I believe that'd be every game this season, and he's hitting 335. So he is kind of running away with batting average. Um, let's take a look at home runs. Another very common stat here. Home run leader is actually Luke Voigt from the Yankees with 21 home runs. He's hitting 286. Uh, Jose Ramirez comes in at sixth right now. He's hit 15 home runs. He's in sixth. The next three guys above him have all hit 16. Trout, Cruz, and Pacecar Hernandez from the Blue Jays. And then Jose Abreu has 18. All right, how about RBIs? Another common stat. RBIs, Jose Abreu has 53. Luke Voigt is 49. Trout's 43. Jose Ramirez comes in at 7th with 38. So, as far as the common stats go, you know, there are some guys way above Jose Ramirez. I will say Jose Ramirez helps his cause here. He's got 10 stolen bases. Now, Alberto Mondesi from the Royals is leading the league with 19. Jose Ramirez is second. Him and Whit Merrifield both have 10 stolen bases on this season. All right. Let's get into some of the advanced stats now. So looking at some of the advanced stats now, OPS. We, we've talked about OPS a lot. OPS is something you're starting to see on scoreboards. You're starting to see it on the uh, lower thirds for players when they come up to bat. You got to learn OPS. It is simple. It is on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. It's just taking those two stats putting them into one number, and it shows a little bit more. It adds the power. It adds the walks into what a player is doing. So who's leading the league in OPS? It's DJ LeMahieu at 1.033. If you're above 800, if if you're in the 700s, the high 700s for OPS, you're doing all right. If you're above 800, you're doing good. If you're above 900, you're doing great. If you're above 1,000, if you're if you're one point something, you are fantastic. You are an MVP candidate. And DJ LeMahieu is leading. Jose Abreu is right behind him at 1.032. But remember, Jose Abreu has almost 50 more at bats than DJ LeMahieu. Nelson Cruz is over. Mike Trout and Luke Voigt are all over one. Jose Ramirez comes in eighth at 942. 942 is fantastic. It's amazing. But it comes in eighth right now this year. All right. What about weighted runs created? You know, this is the things a player does to add value to his team. Weighted runs created. Jose Ramirez comes in at fourth. He comes in at fourth. Weighted runs created. He comes in at 43. Leading, though, is Jose Abreu with 50, Mike Trout with 45, and Nelson Cruz is tied with Jose Ramirez at 43. So tied for third. That's actually really good. That's really impressive. 
Now, the WRC Plus, this changes it a little bit here. Uh, Jose Ramirez actually drops to 10th. This is rated runs created plus. The plus sets the league average to 100. It also takes into account different factors like the ballparks you play in and stuff like that. So it does drop Jose Ramirez down. He's at 150 WRC Plus. Again, DJ LeMahieu and Jose Abreu are leading DJ Lemayo is at 181. Jose Ramiro is at 170. Jose Abreu is at 179. So that shows you the gap, the difference when you add that plus in there, the WRC plus, to show the difference between Jose Ramirez and where Lemayo and Abreu are at right now. So, with all that said, you know, with all of that in there, I think you can see that yes, Jose Ramirez probably is in consideration with Shane Bieber for MVP for the Indians on this season. But even though his war is the highest in baseball right now, I think he's still trailing statistically some of these guys. Right now, my vote would probably go to Jose Abreu for MVP for the American League. Uh, he's one point, one-tenth of a point behind Jose Ramirez in war, but he is dominating all the statistical categories across the board. Uh, and has played in every game. So, uh, yeah, Jose Abreu definitely is a monster this season. And one of the reasons why he's a little bit lower than Jose Ramirez is because in defensive war, if you just isolate defense, he actually is in a negative number. He's at negative 5.8 defensively. He's not a great first baseman, basically. Jose Ramirez is good defensively. He, we know he's an excellent third baseman. He's at 2.6 defensive war. So his defensive war definitely bolsters some of his offensive numbers, and that's why he's leading. Because he's so close to those guys offensively that his defense is actually pushing them him over the top as far as war goes. And yes, MVP should take into account defense. I, I totally agree with that. But when a guy is just running away offensively like Jose Abreu is, it's going to be really hard for the voters to look at Jose Ramirez on a third-place team right now and say that guy is definitely the most valuable player in the entire league. So I love Jose Ramirez. I love what he's doing. But these articles that say he's, you know, hey, I'm getting content out of it. They got content out of it. It's fair. It's a fair conversation to have. But I I don't think so. The answer to that question mark, MVP question mark, is probably not going to make it. So there you go. Those are all my thoughts from yesterday. Coming up, we got the White Sox, and they're all 6'10 starts, so get ready. We got Aaron Savali on the mound against the White Sox. They're throwing a rookie out there against us, Dane Dunning, and he is pitching pretty good. He is 2-0 and I believe five starts this season. Yeah. 233 ERA, his whip is 0.93, his average against is 163. So we uh, we are going to have our hands full here. He's a righty, so expect Naquin and Naylor to be in the lineup for the Indians. Expect Luplo to not be in the lineup. And uh, yeah, this, this is it. This is it, boys and girls. This is the season. We got four games against the first place team. We have a chance to shake things up. We're at home. This is it. Let's see what the Indians can do. So I'm excited. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Detroit yesterday. It was the Cleveland Indians 7, the Detroit Tigers 4. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back all week for this 
White Sox series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.